Welcome to the Lessons Learned Podcast, a podcast reflecting on the lessons we've learned and those we're still in the process of learning. I'm Komal, your host. I'm an interviewer, investor, and someone who has lived a lot of life in a short time. I built this podcast as a place for us to reflect, to be together, and to learn from one another. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode 33 of the Lessons Learned Podcast. On today's show, we are going to be talking about burnout and boundaries, and I have my wonderful husband, Mitch, here, who's going to talk through things with me because we were jamming a little bit before I got ready to record today, and he could get a sense of things with me. Do you want to share, babe, the state that you saw me in? Sure. Well, you were sitting by the pool, and you were were dreading uh, hitting record today because you were like, I just, I don't know. Sometimes you just need a little help whenever you're feeling like strained for emotional, physical, whatever resources and energy you have in a day. Um, And so I just offered to help you get the ball rolling. And we realized we had a few things that might be helpful for people to like hear about and talk through in terms of how you support each other um, and sort of flag when burnout is approaching or what the what the warning signs are. And uh, I think Mitch's intervention with me tonight, because I was walking around and just trying to like get in the headspace. It's it's 825 right now, and I've been working all day, and it's been a really good week. Because guess what? We launched sales for the Next Right Step program, which is my five-week masterclass in resilience and leadership. And I am so excited because for five weeks, I'm going to be teaching this cohort of incredible humans, which are going to include many of you, I know. And it's going to be remarkable. We're going to talk through my Roots of Resilience frameworks over the five weeks. We're going to dive into how you can build even more meaningful community, how impact and identity can root you in the impact you want to make in the world, why wellness is so important to prioritize physical and psychological wellness. And you're going to learn the framework so that you have an action plan for how you're going to prioritize those things. We're going to talk about work and how we can build meaning into our work and why sometimes it's okay if we're not the most passionate about the work we do every day, but how we can build fullness in the other parts of our lives. And we're going to dive into self-efficacy and how we can trust ourselves more fully as we work to build big impact in the world and in our communities and just be the best version of ourselves we can every day while staying well and grounded. So five-week masterclass, sales are open. If you're interested in joining us for this cohort, head to gomal.com and click on masterclass and all the information is going to be there. And next week, we're going to be dropping who some of our guests are going to be for the program. And Mitch knows who some of them are. And I am so excited. These are industry leaders, experts, thought leaders, and you love them. I love them. And next week, you're going to find out who they are. So if you have not signed up for the program yet, don't waste any time. Sales are live until midnight on July 27th. And I've never been more proud to build and bring something into the world. So this episode is sponsored by the Next Right Step program brought to you by me. (laughs) But all that being said, we launched yesterday and I am so taken by how many of you have signed up already, how excited you all are. 
And needless to say, I was up working late Sunday, working a good chunk of the weekend, working a lot yesterday and today. And so when Mitch found me beside the pool, walking around, trying to like get grounded, create some energy and space so that I could be of maximum service to you here on the show, he looked at me and he said, do you want me to do it with you? And I had not wanted to ask him for that again, but I knew that it would be so helpful because sometimes it's just about like having the presence of your person um, or someone you love beside you or that you know is just there with you that can give you the energy, the courage and the ability to show up even when you're tired and feeling, you know, really like your cup is empty and like you need the support and Something that I'll say here is when we get to the point of burnout, I've been reading a lot of the research that Daniela from my team compiled for me around burnout. It's an insidious thing. It's something that compounds over time because of consistent um, experiences in the workplace that kind of take from our spirit, consistent inability to prioritize ourselves because of demands often related to work, and because we just really are completely disconnected from our bodies and ourselves and it's small moments that compound over time but when we have people in our life who can intervene and support us in those hard very like disconnected moments it can actually build up that resilience that we have and our cup can remain full because we feel supported so something you wanted to share about babe is that it's not just about working too much it's that we have to work sustainably. Yeah. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it's funny. I have a lot of things I want to say. Um, first of all, like, congratulations, because this is huge. And this conversation around sort of burnout and, and being resilient in your workflow is really important because what people don't know is what it took to get here to launch the course is months and months and months of you working virtually all the time and you'll you'll speak to some of your like sustainable practices your morning meditation and all these things but something that we've sort of landed on that I think helps you when your workload is so big that things you need to get done are sort of non-negotiable so often Coleman works in the evenings I have a nine-to-five government gig and so I have a lot of flex in the evenings and I love to play video games with my friends so <laughs> my evenings are usually pretty low-key and Often Coleman will need to work in the evening and we'll just sort of post up in the living room and you'll have your laptop and you'll be plugging away at what you need to do. And sometimes I'll just be like, would you mind hanging out with me upstairs instead of in my office downstairs? And I know that just by, by just by being around you, it, it lessened, like it makes the burden of what is in front of you lesser because I'm right there. You can ask me a question. You don't feel like we're separated. And I think people probably, things that exacerbate burnout is when you feel like your work serves as a barrier to connection with your loved ones. So part of like facilitating me being with you in the living room and just hanging out there and doing my own thing was making sure that I was comfortable. So we got me a newer laptop because I had a crappy old laptop. It's a really cool gaming laptop. It's a laptop. really cool gaming laptop. I'm, I'm underselling it here. <laughs> this is like an obscure justification for a great purchase. 
Um, but it, it helps like, you know, so often I know that you have non-negotiable things and I'm not going to ask you to not work. And so I will do, you know, I will, I will try and do things that make me happy while still supporting you in what you need to get done. Um, and I feel like that's an important thing for people to sort of like think through with their, um, either their like intimate partners or roommates or the people who, you know, cohabitate with them to, to seek that support when and where they can. Mm-hmm. And especially since so many of us are still working from home and it looks like a lot of us will be for a long, for a little while longer or a long while longer. I think a big part of the motivation for choosing burnout as our theme this week was because I'm noticing with some of my friends who are working from home and building businesses or working in nine to fives, um, there's a wall that a lot of us can and are likely going to hit because all of our boundaries were are completely gone when it comes to um, how work allowed a little bit of separation, like the physical yeah. going out of working yeah, in no an office. There's no separation at all. And Mitch also says this about his work environment, like a lot of his DGs and directors and colleagues are sending emails well into the night, like midnight, 1 a.m., and sometimes, you know, I'm working late. So Mitch pulls out his laptop and like writes an email and he's like, I'm going to wait till the morning to send this because I don't want people to know I was up working right now. So we're in a we're in like a, a bit of a twilight zone because everybody's working nonstop. But what I think has become a bit of my superpower is I've worked from home my entire like a good chunk of my career since 2013. There was a period when I lived in New York and I was going into an office and it actually like led to me burning out because it wasn't the way I meant to work um, in a traditional workplace, tr- traditional nine to five hours. As Mitch shared, I take my mornings off and I, I use that time to fuel up my body, to do meditation, to do my movement practice, to do my affirmations. You guys know my mm that I shared last week. <laughs> meditate, motivate, move, track, rest well, hydrate. But as I was doing my research on burnout, it turns out the things I'm doing every morning, my non-negotiables are the steps and the things to prioritize when we are coming back from burnout. But working from home, it's such a beast. And I think that there's so many things that we can do to be more intentional about how we're working from home as we all come to this collective wall that we're going to hit and are hitting around feeling overwhelmed and burnt out. Um, Mitch works also with colleagues who have kids. And so what I'm curious to also chat about is how you're seeing your colleagues with children managing in the workplace and specifically your female colleagues, because it workload is disproportionately at home falling on mothers when it comes to child care alongside maintaining their work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's complicated to answer on their behalf. So I can only speak to sort of what they've communicated to us and what I've I've seen be the challenges for them. But uh, for for the people who are still working from home with young kids, um, you know, I watched something the other day and, and they were talking about how it's especially difficult for people who don't have, you know, infants who are they can sort of be in the space, but don't require like learning time and your attention on their homework. Um, but I have, you know, two incredibly ambitious female colleagues who've been in the public service for 20 years and they really, really want to do an excellent job. And I see how, how taxing it is for them to try and manage both things. 
and they frequently almost daily will send us updates being like, I have to be gone between this hour and a half time slot for this thing. Or, uh, I may or may not be able to meet this meeting time because my partner and I are sort of juggling parenting time based on our work demands. And so, you know, there's, there's definitely, uh, a unique pressure that folks with sort of children and any sort of caretaker role are facing during this time. Um, yeah, did that answer your question? So after Mitch shared about his colleagues and their experiences as parents, we actually ended up turning off the camera and stopping recording because like my brain is actually so done right now. <laughs> and so, but I think it's fitting because as we're talking about burnout, like I can push through things and I can force myself to keep going. And you guys are listening to this and I am in the midst of making myself do the thing when I'm exhausted. And that can be a red flag. But what I know in my life right now is whereas I used to do this almost daily in, from like the years of 2014 to 26, 2017, this is a once in a while, like once, yeah. once a month max yeah. sort of experience now. And so it's interesting like how life works that I'm feeling this tired, overwhelmed, um, ready to call it while we're recording our episode on burnout. So I'm beating myself up because I feel like we don't have the how-to steps hammered out for this episode. Like I normally do like, these are the five things to do to prevent burnout when you're in quarantine. I want to teach in that way, but I also have to, I'm that person who's going to be authentic and real with you guys when it's hard. And when Mitch was sharing about his colleagues and their experiences as parents, it's also as important for us to name, like we have no idea. Yeah. We want to name it because yeah. we know how intense that can be. And today I talked to Sarah Landry, um, the bird's papaya on, is her handle on Instagram. And we had a wonderful conversation about burnout and boundaries. And Mitch remembers so much more clearly her commentary on this for parents and so I'm going to throw it over to him yeah so in your conversation today you guys got talking about the challenges of parents managing life during the pandemic and, and working from home and something that really stuck with me was um, you know for for parents especially moms or disproportionately moms they have no escape from it they're stuck in their work and they're stuck in their parenting and it's just they're in a they're in a cycle of burnout that they have no control over um yeah and that it being inescapable also makes it hard for the interventions to happen because a question mitch was going to ask me is like how do i deal with burnout well, what are some, like what do you how do you but I was, I'll ask a question is <laughs> like for you, what are warning signs for you uh, to identify that burnout is coming or, or is here that you're burnt out? Mm. You know, I think it's like phase it's phasic. Like for me, this is a good indication. Actually, let's go back to like that episode I talked about a couple of weeks ago where it was post um, it was after June and George Floyd's murder and everything that happened in the month of June and I had let my habits go to the wayside the habits that were the recovery for me like what I went through wasn't just burnout it was illness and like neurological illness and being severely unwell but that is one extent of where burnout can take us if we don't listen to our bodies is like yeah like you can get really sick and signs of burnout for me are getting really sick 
And that week after I hadn't done my habits for a few weeks, like I had these insane migraines and my endo acted up and my period was late. And it was just this like compounding of things that I didn't even realize were happening Mm -hmm. because I had, I was so stressed, but because we're also at home right now in quarantine and we're nowhere else except our homes, you can't have that contrast of like, oh shit, I'm so fucking stressed. Yeah, that's true. And so for me in that period, like that, that was a major red flag was my body was starting to show me the signs. Yeah. And if I hadn't paid attention, this launch wouldn't be happening. Yeah. I would be like laid out. I would be so not great. My mental health would be low. Mm-hmm. And so this moment in this launch process is also really helpful for me to acknowledge because like I do need a break this weekend. I need a really good break this weekend. And that's been my commitment this whole time is weekends are, are non-negotiable off, but this last weekend that wasn't something I stuck to. So for me, what burnout looks like is again, phasic. So in the beginning, it's those inclinations. And I think even before what burnout looks like, I'd like to talk about what causes burnout. So I was reading an article um, and it's from this, we're going to have it in the show notes and it's from an article or a workplace strategies for managing mental health and burnout is most likely when employees expect too much of themselves, never feel that the work they are doing is good enough, feel inadequate or incompetent, feel unappreciated for their work efforts have unreasonable demands placed upon them, are in roles that are not a good job fit. And so when we look at causes, those points are so powerful because so often when I'm building our team and me and Kim were talking about this this week is we do a seats exercise. So before we launch into this project, before we launched into launching the program, we made a list of all the seats that were required on the team, like job descriptions. So who do we need to do what? And before we put faces to those seats, we had to define the seats because so often we feel like, oh, these are the people. Mm -hmm. How can I make them do the right things? Instead of this is the work that needs to get done. Let's find the right person who's a subject matter expert or who is passionate about this work or who is ready to be flexible to do this many different things. Mm And the flow that we have because we prioritized outcomes and then brought people into the fold is so, like the flow is incredible right now that we're in. People got pegged to the right things. Like yeah. you you attached people to tasks that fit their skill set, their interests, so that it wasn't a misalignment. Yeah. Yeah. And so that people are actually enjoying the work. And enjoyment isn't just like, oh, wow, this is so fun. It's, <laughs> no, this is what I'm good at. Yeah. I'm in my sweet spot. And no one can tell me different. And so that piece are in roles that are not a good job fit. It's so, and we talk about this like around management. Mm -hmm. I love managing. (laughs) I love it so much because I'm an empath, because I care deeply about people and because I was gaslit in my my last, like with my co-founder in my last company. And so I understand what it's like to be on the other side of a toxic work environment that leads to burnout. And I never want to be someone who makes that happen to someone else. And so this prioritization has been huge. The other is around having unreasonable demands placed upon them. 
like a lot of what I listed out here um, is because of poor management and because of colleagues and folks in the workplace who are either being abusive, not being in the right seat themselves as managers, don't know how to delegate work accordingly, um, lack empathy, <laughs> lack empathy because they don't understand that having kids at home and not having them in school and working from home all at once without childcare and support is super fucking hard. And it's a really people who cause burnout for other people. And we have to own our emotional shit. I mean, yeah, like people cause burnout for other people. And also the first thing you listed, which is putting too much pressure on themselves. And I think that's a big thing for everyone to think through right now is like, even if you don't have kids, are you being realistic with what you can and cannot get done? And are you like holding space for the things that make you feel good? Are you like, is your emotional bandwidth zero at the end of every day? Like, do you have time to talk to your partner, your family, your friends about things that aren't just work. And, you know, for me, um, a sign right now that I need to sort of address is that I haven't journaled in a long time, which is something that I not necessarily don't do just because of burnout, but I know when I'm doing it, I'm in a good place. And lately when I look at my journal, cause my work has been really demanding in the last few weeks lately, when I look at my journal, it's usually late in the evening and I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll just be like, ah, it's too much work right now. And I'll go to bed. Um, so for me, that's, there's, there's several things that need to be addressed there for me to hold more space for something that makes me feel really good, which is that reflection at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And we don't often hear men talk about their experiences with burnout, but Mm. I was able to last year after you had a major work project happen, support you in identifying that you were in the midst of almost having a burnout can you share what though what that looked like for you how did you know that you were about to face a burnout that's interesting when i think back to then the thing that stands out was um i had worked on a a small team of people planning a massive international event in vancouver in 2019 And towards the end of it, we'd been preparing for about 18 months. In the last few months, we were working extremely long, demanding hours. And at the end of it, I think without sort of the proper closure or um, thinking through that things were different, my workflow changed after that. I just maintained this expectation that I needed to be available during completely unreasonable hours and be at the office for longer hours and and do these things. And you started to flag to me, you were like, hey, like you don't do that anymore. Maybe you should take a few days or a week and we should go on vacation because you earned it. Um, But I think the things that, that come to me when I imagine burnout for myself is apathy. When I start to just, I'm, I'm so depleted that I'm just, I'm just pushing things to get them done and I no longer have any sort of enthusiasm or sort of like excitement behind the things I'm doing. That's, that's to me a warning sign that, Oh, okay. Like I'm, my resources are strained emotionally um, or mentally that I just can't, I can't perform and be happy, Mm. you know? So what helped you sort of walk back from that last year? Uh, You. (laughs) (laughs) Um, making time to talk through things with you really though, is you helped me realize I needed to establish a new boundary 
and sort of course correct a workflow because it was no longer required. But I think so many people, like when I think about burnout, sorry, mom. <laughs> Um, but I imagine my mom who never had a sense of what the concept of burnout was. So she worked crazy hours all the time as a woman in a male dominated space. And she just thought that was what was demanded of her. She had way too much vacation, whatever. And I think I, I didn't want that to happen for myself. And you've always been, you know, as a partner, uh, holding space to talk through things, you've always helped me be like, Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not my best self right now let's let's rein things in mm-hmm. um yeah and i think us being able to have that conversation and again like just like we did last week coach each other through when we're facing these moments or like when i was outside you being like hey do you need me to help you <laughs> with that and obviously my work is such that mitch can just jump in and support me in it but even like sometimes reading things for him that he's about to send out or talking through different things or simply just like holding space to listen yeah to remember his colleagues' names, to be invested in his work in a way where I can support him as he's making key decisions on timing for time off and different things like that. I think something we've become better at too is planning our vacations every four to six months or like downtime, whether it's a staycation, just time off. Because when it comes to, so I talked about causes of burnout with employees. Um, When you are burnt out or when you're on the cusp of burnout actions to take are to ask yourself like is am i doing the right job yeah like that's a really hard question for lots of people to ask yeah also something that just came to mind that like i think often accompanies the same question is like if you feel like you can't take a break you probably need a break. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. This no. is such a good one, babe, because I feel like that all the time. Yeah. When you're in the inertia of work and like you're convinced that you can't stop, it is the biggest red flag exactly. that you have to stop. Yeah. And this yeah. is actually a really good time to bring this in. Um, in some of the re- research that Daniela shared with me, there's a lot of things that are coming up around women of color in the workplace. Mm specifically black indigenous and women of color who are carrying extra burdens in the workplace. And there's a sentence I want to read from an article um, that just was so powerful. And the article is called, this is what black burnout feels like. Mm. It It is by Tiana Clark for Buzzfeed. So Tiana writes, my therapist explains that burnout reminds us of our humanity Exhaustion lets the body know we are not machines. We need to slow down. Yet for millennials of color, not only do we have to combat endless emails and Slack notifications, but we also get strapped with having to prove our humanity inside and outside of the workplace and classroom, often by circumspectly navigating the tears of white women. It's doubly, triply exhausting, but in all the hullabaloo about burnout, who is really allowed to take a break? And the reason that that really hits home for me is I remember in my last workplace doing a lot of emotional labor for my colleagues because we would do check-ins. It was passion-based work. We would check in with each other, but I would often not share a lot. Because you couldn't. Because I couldn't, but I also... Didn't feel... In one instance, when I came back to work after my cancer diagnosis and we would do check-ins about our wellness and where we were at, 
Um, I remember my co-founder taking me aside after and saying, can you not talk about your experience with cancer because it makes everyone else feel bad about their own shit. And I remember just feeling so silenced. Mm -hmm. And you know how traumatizing surviving cancer and my experience with my surgeries was. So to go to this place of work every day, to have to perform and be all that I was supposed to be in the role of co-founder after having survived something traumatic and then not even being able to be allowed to talk about it at work and being silenced by my own peer and the person I'm supposed to like lean on most. Yeah, I was silenced by white women tears. (laughs) And so burnout can come from being emotionally manipulated and again gaslit when you're in the workplace as a woman of color and for women as well um, in male dominated workplaces. And it's something we have to be very cognizant of. And also the reason I talk about it so much and repeatedly is because I was so floored when I realized what it meant to be gaslit and how that leads to burnout and how that can lead to increased stress, which ultimately leads to illness. Like it is such a big factor, especially when we work in predominantly white spaces. And I see it with our friends who are in diversity and inclusion and belonging roles and spaces in different companies and because of everything that's happening their workload is increasing they don't have more colleagues more is expected of them more resources aren't given their calls for support and help aren't listened to and so yeah like burnout for people of color right now is very likely going to be at at an all-time high which also means that mental health is going to be at an all-time low and it's so important for us to like really look at this and and for parents too, like add on that pressure. This is not something to be taken lightly or to just be brushed off when we're talking about COVID and quarantine. And I think that's why I felt so overwhelmed talking about it because it's so complex and not enough people are naming it, facing it, talking about it. Mm. And so when we talk about like, we're looking at causation and then now we're looking at identification. So how can you identify that like you're in the wrong workplace or that it's okay for you to consider leaving or it's okay for you to consider taking your vacation time even though the culture of your organization doesn't support that um it's a must it is a requirement for your survival and we can't understate that and yes my love i think there's also like the the extra layer the extra complication right now, um, and maybe a question that I, I certainly don't have the answer to, but I'm sure so many people are thinking when they think about burnout is like, uh, how do I resolve what I'm now identifying as burnout or sort of unhealthy habits when I imagine the steps I need to, to do that, um, putting my job at risk during an incredibly high risk time, you know, where things are only going to get harder and riskier and more cuts and, and more economic pressures. You know, I think I don't have the answer to that, but, um, this makes me think about the the point around boundaries. This is systemic oppression. Like if we're looking at it as well, from a capitalistic perspective, what you're saying about the risk of job loss, forcing us to stay in these situations and then to just push through burnout Um, which causes detriment to our physical and emotional well-being. Like, yeah, this is systemic oppression and this is capitalism at its worst. Um, And like, this is, this is harmful. 
And so I can't, I don't have the answers, but I always want to offer advice just for solace or reprieve because sometimes even when you're in it and I could get emotional talking about it is like when you're in it and you know that there's not a way out for you right now, you can pray and hope and have a dream that eventually there will be. And that that hope is what can help you come through even like the lowest of low times. That being said, though, the insidiousness of burnout and the intensity of the physicality of the um, overwhelm, the like your body is literally screaming for you to stop because of the mental health issues, because of how tired your body can get, because of how overwhelmed you become, because of your lack of habits and routine. So where can you maybe focus some time and pockets of energy in your days to build, to counter those insidious moments that have built up to burnout? We need to start building your reserve of the counter culture in your life. And so when we're looking at, again, causation, those that list of what employees go through specifically that causes burnout to identification, how you can identify that you're in a space of burnout is like things like apathy, things like feeling like your voice is suppressed, things like noticing that you're having weird health things happen or like missed periods, like, oh, maybe I'm more stressed than I thought I was. Um, or, oh my God, I've gotten so much more of a workload. I can't stop the inertia loop. Like these are all indicators that burnout is maybe on the horizon or that you might be in it and to come through it so let's talk about steps that I've taken or that you've taken to come through it and it really is the most simple of habits and that comes back to a gratitude journal a simple thing you can implement in the mornings or in the evenings And every day now, I just, I don't even say, oh, I'm going to write three things I'm grateful for. I just go off on a list and it's moments like I was on a bike ride the other day and I saw a deer in the forest and it stared me down. But in that moment, I felt like I was, you know, in the presence of God. And I, I felt so profoundly connected to that animal in that moment. And so that was in my gratitude journal all the way to steak dinner that we had together that Nate prepped for us on Sunday night and yeah exercise yes and so just making a collection of these moments in your days that there actually was joy or light or happiness and being able to look back on them is a really helpful tool 10 to 15 minutes or even 5 to 10 minutes of a guided meditation on YouTube trying to build that in every morning It's looking and a lot of what the research shows is your personalized routines because meditation isn't for everyone, but maybe going for walks is for some people. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's watching movies without being on another device. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's conversation with friends, but what do you need to do? What can you do? This is a question for you. What can you do for yourself? that you can commit to while you continue to work from home, one thing that you can do for you every day, and that can be your light. And even on the days when it feels hard to do that thing, it's a promise you've made to yourself. And we do not break promises to ourselves. Well, I do sometimes, but most (laughs) of the time we do not break promises to ourselves. And so it's those little things 
And sometimes when it comes to chronic stress or chronic burnout, these little things aren't enough. And in those moments, I had someone on my team a couple months ago at the top of quarantine need to just tell me, I care about this work, but I can't Mm -hmm. keep doing this. I can't keep working. And so as her employer and as someone who cares and loves this person, I had to hold space and support her because she had come out of a toxic workplace prior to that where she was emotionally beat down and harmed by her boss. And so it was this compounding of her as a young white woman being gaslit in her workspace, manipulated, coming to work for me, which is a much healthier environment, wanting to show up and perform, but still her cup was empty. And so for two months, she took this break and, you know, um, was supported by CERB, which again, talking about systemic supports, um, social supports are such a big thing. This is easier in Canada for us to do because our government has given CERB um, $2,000 a month to support folks who are not able to work right now. And mental health is a reason people are not working right now. Um, Whereas in the States, like those $1,600 checks are just, you know, like that's a one-time payment for four months. And I, I actually think there's a little bit more that the U.S. is doing, but I'm not familiar with it. But Social supports, again, when we're talking about personal development or mental health improvement, have to be addressed. Use them them if they exist in your country. But so many of our listeners are in the States, and it's about continuing to lobby and support those who are pushing for greater social supports that can help more people and build that community resilience. Um, But for this individual who worked for me, like we were just chatting on DMs the other day, and she was just like, I feel like myself again. Mm -hmm. I took the time I needed. I got to rebuild routines. I got to just be with myself. And sometimes what you need is that break. And if you have the opportunity or privilege to step away and take that downtime, like that was the only way in 2017 I could recover. I had to full stop, stop working for six months. Maybe that's, maybe that's a concrete sort of actionable thing for people is, you know, we're talking about that daily habit, carve out that one thing for you, but also um, incrementally try and carve out more time for yourself in a, in a vacation or unpaid or whatever mechanism is available to you. But like, um, some people, they might just need a long weekend, Mm -hmm. you know, some people might need A a full week. Some people might actually need to go on like sabbatical hiatus, whatever unpaid paid leave, whatever they can arrange. But I think, um, exploring that for yourself is, is huge for people navigating burnout and just like career satisfaction like it's something to chew on be like okay hold space for yourself whether it's just for a long weekend or whatever you need mm-hmm. countering burnout is really starting to care about yourself yeah. and really doing the hard work to say hey self i love you and i'm going to take care of you mm-hmm. in a real meaningful way in the actions I do every day and in spite of the spaces that I am existing in that aren't built with us in mind and it's a really hard thing like I left an entire identity I left something I worked so hard to build because it took everything from me and that can be the scariest fucking thing we ever do and it was but it was also the best thing I could ever have done for myself. Because here we are. Because here we are. And here we are, like this program, again, 
the next right step. Like this feels too perfect of a plug, but like I'm doing it. I built this program because it's what I wish I had in 2017 when I was so sick, so unwell, and I didn't have a blueprint or anywhere to go to say, hey, how can I come back? I'm still me. I still want to do big things in the world. And just because I don't have capacity doesn't mean I'm not me anymore. Or doesn't mean that I won't eventually. And I didn't know if I could take stages again. I didn't know if I could teach again. I didn't know what my capacity would be again because I was so sick. I I had no idea what my life would look like. But now that I have the privilege of being well again, yeah, I want to teach people how you can be well Mm. and like choose to be in spaces that are actually supportive and good for you. Make the impact you want to make in the world and stay healthy and well while you do it. Like that is my core mission in life. And that is why I created this show. That is why I'm creating this program. That is why I do what I do. And that's why this episode was so hard for me, I think. (laughs) Because it's like, fuck. In the midst of like your, this, this moment is holding space for the fact that you're tired because you've been working so hard towards something you love but still pushing yourself. So like, this is an exceptionally vulnerable moment, this conversation, but uh, as your partner, as an objective observer, you're the happiest you've ever been. Because, <laughs> oh, that laugh. Oh, reminding me of our wedding. <laughs> I, love so I love you. I'm really proud of this lady. If you're still watching and this makes it in, she's exceptional. And this is an exceptional moment. You've worked really hard to get here. And I think conversations like this, even this candid between you and I and what you're going to do with the incredible guests you're bringing in is going to be like of substantial value to people to just sit and be real with what you're feeling and what you're experiencing and just like let things bubble up and work through them and unpack them. And it's messy, but it's, 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 that's what caring for yourself often looks like. So I love you and I'm proud of you and I'm, I'm happy you're doing the work you do. <laughs> Thanks, my love. I want I I want to appreciate my husband because I couldn't have come through and rebuilt my health in my life without this support in my life. So thank you, babe. And I also want to round this out for all of you listening. Um, so I think what I'm going to do is I want to reiterate, reshare those indicators of when burnout is most likely. So burnout is most likely when employees expect too much of themselves, never feel that the work they are doing is good enough, feel inadequate or incompetent, feel unappreciated for their work efforts, have unreasonable demands placed upon them, and are in roles that are not a good job fit. Because it can be chronic in nature, affecting both the health and performance of employees at all levels of organizations, prevention strategies are considered the most effective approach for addressing workplace burnout. So I want to now share with you some of the prevention, or actually we're going to do signs and symptoms because that's what we did next. And I'm we're going to link to this article, Workplace Strategies for Mental Health, and we're probably going to turn this into threads and some prompts for you to, to journal about around um, how to identify if you're about to hit it or in a space for it, symptoms of it, and then ways that you can work through it. So uh, check out the show notes um, for that or the newsletter this week. Uh, or sign up for our newsletter at gomel.com to receive them. So some of the signs and symptoms that an employee experiencing burnout may exhibit include reduced efficiency and energy, lowered levels of motivation, increased errors, fatigue, headaches, irritability, increased frustration, suspiciousness, 
more time spent working with less being accomplished. Severe burnout can also result in self-medication with alcohol and other substances, sarcasm and negativity, and debilitating self-doubt. Left unaddressed, burnout may result in a number of outcomes, including poor physical health, clinical depression, reduced job satisfaction, decreased productivity, increased absenteeism, increased risk of accidents, poor workplace morale, communication breakdown, and increased turnover. So we can often make excuses for ourselves when we're in those situations to rationalize it because we need to rationalize it. And some of those excuses can be, I'm fine. It is your nagging at me that is stressful. I love my job. I'm happy to take on more. I'm just tired. You don't understand. No one else can do this. People are depending on me. No one else can do this. Yeah, quote unquote. Um, I really want to be helpful. I will be fine once this is done. This too will pass. I need to get back to the top of my game. I'll take a vacation and then be okay. If people just let me do my job, I would be fine. It's not me. It's everyone and everything else. And now prevention strategies. So having clear expectations for all employees and obtaining confirmation that each employee understands those expectations. So something I do in every meeting or as many meetings as I can where I feel like there's confusion is just checking in and saying, does that make sense? What do we need to clarify? And having that transparency with my team where they can reach out to me and check in with me so that we ensure everything is clear, 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 and so that they can let me know when things they feel undue responsibility from certain things or I just, it's a human interaction. I want them to excel. I want them to do well. And so setting, giving clarity helps do that and being clear with your expectations as an employer. Next is make sure that employees have the necessary resources and skills to meet expectations. This comes back to the seats exercise of are the people in the right seats? Do they have the skill, right skills to perform the job that they are assigned to? Remember, a lot of managers shouldn't be managers. Some folks in technical roles shouldn't have those. (laughs) We think that people can just like magically get good at something overnight. Not the case. We have to be mindful of what they're showing enthusiasm for, what they are articulating and telling us that they're good at, um, and manage accordingly. Uh, Provide ongoing trainings to employees to maintain competency, help employees understand their value to the organization and their contributions to organization's goals. The number of managers who withhold praise and support of their employees for whatever weird reasons is a lot. And I think that employees need to know that they're appreciated, that their work is good, or that when they're getting feedback, it's not only negative every time. Um, It builds morale. It makes you a good team player. It makes you excited for what's ahead. Like when we had our team meeting today and we toasted to the launch of this program, like everyone was so hype and it was because we all cared so much, which like, yeah, don't also like pedal on people's passion because that's also abusive. Hello, people working in the nonprofit space and for for purpose businesses, like don't just pedal on passion. You have to like, you have to respect your employees. Um, So prevention from that standpoint. Enforce reasonable work hours, including, if necessary, sending employees without good boundaries home at the end of their regular workday. Another thing I read was like, just because someone's type A doesn't mean you should be okay with them doing other people's work. Uh, We need to be better at that, at naming that as colleagues and as employers, because we can get in these habits where we just let people who are willing to do the work, do the work. And I have so many friends who are in these situations and they don't, they just do it. 
and their boss doesn't intervene, their colleagues just let it happen, and then they burn out and they get sick. Um, feel underappreciated and then that turns into this inertia cycle I can't stop working I'm the only one who can do it the narratives continue more prevention strategies um, set reasonable and realistic expectations organizations should be clear as to which activities require the highest standards and when it's okay to lower the bar and still meet business needs like deadlines deadlines can be malleable certain ones are like a little bit more strict than others but we have to be flexible as employers, especially in this pandemic era. Yeah. Um, encourage social support and respect within and among work teams. So when we were talking earlier around women of color and people of color in the workplace and feeling like you're othered in the workplace and not feeling like you have the supports around you, I encourage you to build those supports outside of your workplace. Who can you talk to? How, who can you befriend on Instagram and online? Who in your life can you have be your social supports when they don't exist at work because what's good about pandemic is you don't have to go in and face that racism every day IRL you have a boundary with it online um and those microaggressions like there's a little bit more of a boundary so you can protect your space wherever it is that you're working while in quarantine another support physical activity throughout the workday so something that we've started to do as a team which I love is after I had my like mini burnout episode at the end of June, I talked to my team and I realized my morning affirmations as part of my morning routine, I talk about my work dreams and my health dreams and my personal dreams. But our KPIs as a company are results driven, sales, email signups, click-through rates, all these different metrics. But we didn't check in about our team self-care. Mm. So we started doing that. So every week as we do our team check-in, I make the team scale themselves, rate themselves on a scale of one to 10 about how they think they showed up for their self-care that week. And then they set a goal for where they want to be for the next week. And it's been a useful tool. And it's like arbitrary. Like, it's a self-evaluation. It's a self-evaluation, yeah, a, but it helps us prioritize and be like, okay, this was a big week for Rhaenyra and Maddie on the design and tech side. So that's not a high five. Mitch put his hand up. I know I've been talking for a bit. I was going through each of the ones, but this has been an effective tool as a manager. So it could be one you could suggest to your team if they're open to having self-care or taking care of ourselves. Be a metric is weekly scale from one to 10. How we doing as individuals? And then I average it out for the team and we try and get as close to like eight, nine as possible. So this is, this is a very serendipitous moment and living with my dad, this is something that happens to us all the time. Um, you hadn't told me about this practice and I swear I didn't overhear it. And literally last night I was thinking, you know, I've been, I've been doing a pretty good job in my workplace, but I feel like I need to start like self-evaluating, like how effective I felt and what like my mood was. And I, I was literally like, I'm thinking through a spreadsheet and a tracker to do exactly this. So it's funny <laughs> that you are implementing something like this. Cause it seems like a really useful tool to be like, I killed it today, but how did I feel at the end of it? You yeah. know, like, am I, am I just like empty or am I fulfilled? Like, yeah. did I approach it in a healthy way? It just, it feels like a, like a healthy exercise. And I think it's cool that we both landed on it because we work in entirely different worlds, yeah, totally. but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter the industry you're in as human beings, we still have the same baseline needs. And so those still need to be met, protected and cared for. Yeah. Did I love myself? Did you love yourself today? What's your scale? What what number do you land on on your one to ten scale? Write it down. We hope it's a ten. We hope it. Well, no, I hope it's like 
eight, nine, because there's, you know, 10 is a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, I scaled myself nine today because I feel like I've prioritized all the different parts of wellness that I want to outside of nutrition, which I think I could be more more mindful of. But I feel like a nine is really great compared to where I would have been launching a product back in the day. All right. All right. So I'm, I'm here for that. So a couple more of the prevention strategies are strongly encourage the taking of breaks away from the work environment, which is so fucking hard when you're working from home. So just like leave your house. A member from my team uh, rented a cottage and she's going away for the weekend and she said, I'm off Thursday, Friday. And we were very good about checking in so that I really don't need to touch base with her while she's gone. So boundaries, like establishing these boundaries but i know it's so hard when your boss sucks yeah. so i'm sorry to those of you who this might not be as possible and i'm sharing it to inspire those of you who maybe become managers one day to just be better people and humans to your teams because that's how we create this change um and have healthier happier workplaces and work teams and then Let's see, the final prevention strategy that I'll share is consider how leadership approaches might impact employees at risk of burnout. Oh, so that kind <laughs> of is where we ended up, full circle there. Um, tell your bosses to be better yeah. in subtle ways. Yeah. Offer them suggestions. Um, so this is great. I am very pleased with how this episode turned around. Good. I think that also how we rounded things up there is hopefully helpful for you listening in terms of how to identify who is more likely to experience it, symptoms, and then prevention strategies. Um, Take really good care of yourself because you deserve it. And if you've listened this far, because this is a long episode, um, thank you for sticking around and taking this time and space for yourself. And I feel energized just from this conversation compared to where I was earlier And what I've realized is when I get that tired, sometimes it's also because there is something to be said or there's something stuck in me that needs to come out. I haven't talked about burnout in this way since I recovered in 2017. And so this is such a big episode because it is literally the foundation for why my business is what it is now and why I built this program and why I do what I do. So thanks for sticking around. Any thoughts, my love, to round us out? any thoughts to round us out um yeah just like you said the catharsis of this conversation and also for me like it it's not a catharsis for me because all of the things you've been through i know have led you to this moment and this program and i think you're so well suited to um work through this type of thing with other people in a really profound way so i'm excited If that's a testimony, not a testimonial, I don't know what is. (laughs) I hope I'll see you guys in class again. Check out gomal.com and hit click masterclass to find out more about my five week program. If you like conversations like this, if you like the IG live series I've been doing called Lessons in Resilience. um, And if you haven't heard about it, check out my uh, Instagram and you will see interviews with incredible humans where we're talking about things like self-doubt, burnout, boundaries and more. Um, I really... This is a glimpse into what the program will be like, plus so much more. So if you're interested, gomal.com slash masterclass. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening and holding space for us in your lives. And I hope you have a beautiful week. Take care of yourself. Dive into the journal prompts that are attached to the show notes of this episode. And be well. Give yourself the space you deserve. I love you.
Until next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to follow me, Komal, check me out on Instagram at K-O-M-A-L-M-I-N-H-A-S or the show at LessonsLearned.co. And if you have an idea of a lesson that we should dive into on the show, then slide into our DMs and submit there or on the website along with any guests you think I should interview and talk all of the things with. As always, I hope that you make some time for you this week and reflect on the lessons you're learning or have learned and take some time to celebrate all the incredible that is you. Until next time, guys. Bye!